There are so many young um, teacher leaders coming into schools today who have just gone through two years of trauma, uh, two years of challenge, uh, two years of trying to adjust and be adaptable to something we've never lived through before. They're going to be better because of that. They're going to be leaders because of that. We have young principals, we have young administrators coming along and learning new things. And that flexibility and resilience is going to make them even better leaders. And that's why I'm so hopeful for the future. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Leading Through Unprecedented Times. I'm Tom Murray, your host. Super excited about this episode, wanting to introduce you to somebody that I'm proud to call a good friend, an incredible superintendent and leader in the state of Ohio at Indian Hill, and that's Kirk Konecki. Kirk, how you doing, my friend? Good, Tom. Thanks for having me today. We're so excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, I asked you to be on for a whole bunch of different reasons. I love the work that you're leading out there in Ohio. I'm going to ask you specifically about some of those. But for our listeners who may not know who are, where Indian Hill is, tell us a little bit about your district, where you are, where you're located, and uh, we'll dive into some of the things you have going on. Thanks for asking. Uh, I'm the proud superintendent of Indian Hill Exempted Village School District. We are a suburb on the northeast side of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, we serve approximately 2,200 students and have just over 200 staff members. And uh, typically in this area of Ohio, Indian Hill is known as a, a high achieving district that is also global in nature. We have a very diverse student body and um, we have a lot of students and, and families that we serve who are involved in work around this area with a lot of our Fortune 100 companies in the region uh, makes it a very unique place. That's awesome. And you know, Kirk, I've had the opportunity to see some of this work firsthand, connect with some of your people, and I couldn't be more impressed with just the people that you have, the leadership happening throughout the district, not just from your office, throughout the district. And this theme of this season, as you know, is really around resilience. And so I know I'm sure for the last two years, you could we could spend hours and hours and hours talking about resilience in the district, ways you've seen it, ways you've witnessed it throughout the district as the super superintendent, but tell us a little bit about maybe a story of resilience as we lead through this pandemic uh, that you're really proud of or something that you've witnessed. You know, when you go back to the spring of 2020, and we all went into emergency uh, remote learning here in Ohio, what that meant for our district was that people had to change their roles. And I was so proud of our principals and how some of them literally became drivers overnight delivering food, delivering computers to homes, uh, helping troubleshoot on networks so that our students could get online and learn. Uh, I was so proud of our teachers and principals working together in uh, collaborative committees, literally around the clock to make sure that we had a curriculum and programming in place. Uh, and again, that was two years ago, but that set us up for success through that first year of the pandemic in ways that I just can't even um, place a number on. It's invaluable what our principals and our teacher leaders did together to help students and families get through the beginning of that pandemic. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, knowing some of those principles myself, some top-notch leaders with really that do-whatever-it-takes-for-kids mindset. Let's dive a little bit further into that and talk about the journey over the last two years in the pandemic. I know under your leadership in the district, there's always been great things happening. And under the leadership of the principals, uh, your incredible teaching staff, there's always been great things happening in the district. But when March of 2020 hit, I know you and I connected very early on because one of the things that impressed me the most was not the, we're going to retreat and just do what we can do to get by. You and your administrative team were very intentional about saying, yes, there's a lot of obstacles, but obstacles also create opportunities. So let's look at ways that we can redesign things. Let's leverage this point in time. Let's leverage this crisis to say, what are the things we really want to do for kids and how can we start getting there? As opposed to, we're going to really just retreat for next however long, you really looked at it as a redesign opportunity. So walk through us a little bit about just the journey in the pandemic in the last couple of years, but how your team has looked at it a little bit differently and the opportunities which have come about. Well, part of the help we got was we did a book study called Personal and Authentic, which you know very well. And I picked the book for a reason, because when I thought of my principles and the experiences they tried to create for students and staff, it resonated with me. And so I want to thank you. Uh, And our whole team went through a kind of um, reading period where we were doing some research at the beginning of the pandemic. And to the principal's credit, they wanted to include our teacher leaders to capture teacher voice and make sure that when we were redesigning what was going to be happening both uh, online and at school, moving through these pandemic years, that we were focusing on curriculum and programming and instruction that was research-based and made sense for our culture and our climate. And our principals did some really important things. As you know, all the research shows the teacher's the most important person to impact a student in the classroom. But head principals are the second most influential people in the culture. And our head principals brought together committees of teachers, committees of innovation or instructional coaches, and committees of our technology department members, and they literally constructed a new curriculum. Um, Not just hybrid curriculum, but new activities, new methods. So whether we were talking about our principal, Dr. Owens at the primary school, who started to take STEM night virtual, or our high school principal, Mr. Damadeo, who made every senior activity virtual that first year of the pandemic, but did not cut one. You wanna talk about collaboration and innovation and the teachers led the way with their principals. And that's what allowed us to focus on teaching and learning um, as well as safety. But it was their vision and their mission to do that that got us through. Yeah, I love that. I just love the resilience. Thank you for the shout, by the way. Certainly didn't have to do that. I appreciate that shout out. But when we take a look at, you know, just the mindset, the willingness to say, hey, here's the position that we're in, our backs are against the wall. How can we do this differently so that the students still have a great experience regardless of the circumstances there? You know, Kirk, one of the things I also know you take a lot of pride in is the strategic planning process, uh, IH promise, as you all call it. You know, having been part of that myself, 
myself as a school and district leader, having seen many of those taking place, I also know that many times they can just be, hey, we're going to go through the motions to go through the motions because we have to do what we have to do. We're going to check the boxes, put it on some website, we'll call it and we're done. But you all look at it really as what it should be, that strategic vision, that go-to document that's living, that that uh, just really that North Star per se. So tell us a bit about your strategic planning process, you know, where the pandemic has kind of impacted it in certain ways or whatever that might look like and uh, what you do with it. I think living is the key word that you just said. And when you attach a word like promise to a strategic plan or vision, you better mean it. So for us, we wanted to make sure that we were allowing people who wanted to give us input from our school community, from students to staff to stakeholders, that they could come in and commit at the level at which they wanted to pay attention to this. And so we had a, a multiple levels of engagement throughout the community. And our goal was to be as efficient and organic as possible and let people develop the language of the plan as it went along. We did not feed them with a lot of language beyond the IH Promise vision statement. And then our principals and teachers spent a lot of time meeting with focus groups. And in every focus group, we wanted to create a truly student-centered culture out of this plan. And to do that, you have to involve students. And to the credit of our principals and our stakeholders, they listened to students. We cast a very wide net. We made sure students were in the room during the dialogue. We also made sure we surveyed all the students. We went back to them for focus groups. And we wanted to get all of that work done in six months. Most school districts won't do this process this efficiently or this quickly, but when you ask people to engage at a level at which they want, you're able to stratify all that activity and really plan it out. And we worked with some amazing facilitators from Ed Elements who helped us. And I was so proud to see what developed. The language was very organic and the um, participation was truly um, a level of buy-in I've never seen. And I've done a lot of these in the past. And we came up with a five-year plan. Some people don't like long strategic plans, but this plan has a very narrow focus and we're gonna take our time to make sure that we're researching initiatives properly, that we're going through a period of discovery about the activities that we might want to look at, and that when we do implement, we do it with fidelity. And a lot of that is focused on the experiences and resources that students need to succeed now and in the future. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I just, I love being intentional there. Not let's come up with 47 different goals and, you know, a year from now, nobody can even name what they are. Let's be really intentional about the work that we're doing. Love the idea of tiering the stakeholder engagement based on what they wanted to do and what they wanted to give. Um, and absolutely, you know, one of the things that I respect most about you and your leadership is in every interaction that we have, you always talk about your people, the value of your people, you know, your incredible principles is how you kicked off that I know you'd say the exact same, even if not even more so about your teachers and support staff and all the work that they've done. But really what we're getting to is the value of human capital. And it's something as a superintendent, you see, especially with the fear and the anxiety and all that we've been through in the last two years, it's the lifeblood of what we do. Talk to us about the importance of human capital and also maybe how district 
districts can leverage their greatest asset, I mean, besides the children, would certainly be our staff across the board. So talk to us a little bit about human capital. Yeah, I think that you're well aware that the pandemic over the last two years has really exacerbated not only people leaving the profession, whether through retirement or resignation or re-examining their, their own career aspirations, but also that pipeline that leads to new teachers entering our profession has been a problem for decades, but now it's become even more acute. And I'm really concerned that we need to flip the script again and start promoting what a wonderful profession this is. And the way that we try to do that here at Indian Hill is we try to use every opportunity to celebrate students and teachers in our programming to shine a spotlight on the great work that these world-class educators are delivering within our unique community. And we have a community with very high expectations. They, they hold us to a high standard, but we're able to showcase what amazing teachers do here every day. And of course, we use social media to do that a lot um, and, and the local media. And it's really important because the public perception about public education and teachers is critical, not just for our kids now, but for developing leaders in the future who will lead public schools for decades to come. Yeah, I love that. Love that notion. And you're certainly spot on with one of the major crises we have we have in our country. You know, already in the podcast, you've listed um, some other partners and places that you've connected with. So as a superintendent, you see like building on the human capital idea, also the importance of connecting with other organizations and you mentioned Ed Elements earlier. There's some others that I know you're working with a little bit. Who are some of the, the partners that you've had, you know, just in terms of benefits of recognizing? And the reason I ask that is sometimes I think it's real easy, having been part of that cabinet cabinet level, to always be relying on the you know a brilliance of a cabinet. And I, I don't ask that to take away from anybody's experience or you know they obviously know their district their best. But you're not afraid to step outside of the district, pull partners in to make sure your work's even that much better. You mentioned Ed Elements as an example for your strategic planning process. Who are some of the partners that you've worked with and just some of the benefits that they've really offered to support your work, just to help uh, encourage principal superintendents to continue to reach outside their traditional boundaries to guide the work that they lead? You know, here in Ohio, we have a wealth of resources. And as you know, uh, Future Ready Ohio has been a great partner uh, to this team. Our principals have traveled and learned over the past years. Um, our local Buckeye Association of School Administrators is tied in with the American Association of School Administrators. And they are great resources for us to bring cohorts of people together to learn. One of the things we've been doing, whether it's reading a book study from um, a progressive thinker like Eric Scheninger or Tom Murray um, is to make sure that we are thinking about the future and what students need uh, to learn in the future. And that's really helped inform even some of our research on facilities. We're working right now on a major facilities plan. We're building a new middle school. We're building an elementary wing. And so we've done a lot of research around problem-based learning, challenge-based learning, uh, whether you're talking about organizations like Jason Learning, uh, who have been out there for a while, but are leading the way in this kind of area, um, uh, where you're talking about defined learning and STEM. Those are some of the people that we're resonating uh, with and, and reflecting with right now. And I will tell you, our principals do so much homework 
And I think that's something that comes back to this idea of resilience. Even during the last two years, I'm so impressed. And it's not just our principals, it's our teachers as well. They're willing to do the homework and the research so that when we do go outside of our own district to work with someone, we can feel good about that work. And then we can tailor it to what our specific culture needs here at Indian Hill. Absolutely. And just one of those key components of leadership is the ability to adapt, the, the ability to, to pull in some of those other resources to make sure that our students are getting the very best. You know, I wanted to ask you, because I see some of the facilities work that you are leading and that you're doing. One of the things, you know, at Future Ready, we do some work around learning spaces. It's part of the framework. And it's we always really push the focus on making sure we start with that desired learning outcome and then step back to say, what is the space going to look like to match that? You know, obviously COVID has forced us into some restrictions over the past couple of years about how we can, we need to separate students. And obviously safety has been a top priority, but as we continue to look post pandemic, as we continue to design these future ready spaces that are, you know, highly engaging, highly mobile ability to collaborate and those kinds of things, you just started to allude to this notion of, you know, starting with the desired learning outcomes to then break away what's the space and how do we want the space to actually uh, match that. So tell us if you could a little bit more about the facilities project. You know, you said your principals did some research. Talk to us about what that looks like, because if I'm a superintendent or a principal looking to say, hey, we've got a building project coming up in the next couple of years. What advice would you have for where they should start, how they can tie it to learning? And maybe like what are some things that you were researching or your principals were researching to make sure that you, you did the best job possible for kids? So we are very fortunate here, Tom, as you know, to pass a historic bond levy and our community is very supportive of this, this project. It's a multi-site project to really upgrade our buildings in terms of safety and security, but also to build the next generation schools for our elementary middle school students now. We did a lot of research into who are the construction companies, who are the architects, who are the advisory uh, and consultant firms that are also willing to think this way? That was first and foremost, so that we could kind of build the A team that would then work with our internal team so that when we brought them educational research and we talked to them about culminating experiences or problem-based learning or station rotation, that they knew what we wanted and what we were talking about. And we got as granular as having focus group meetings with teachers and students with furniture vendors to make sure that we were picking the right kind of chair, the right kind of table. Um, when we get together as a leadership team, we're trying to make sure we're aligning a learning space to an initiative in our strategic plan because we want students to have the right supports and resources in place at every building. And we also want them to have what we call these unique culminating experiences. So whether you're in third grade, sixth grade or 11th grade, what are those culminating experiences? And once we know what those are, then we can plan a learning space that aligns to that. Yeah, I love that. So a question that I'm, I'm wrestling with right now and having, you know, connect with your team a whole bunch of times, but also seeing the things that are happening on social media, knowing people are feeling tapped out, just feeling burned out, recognizing the culture and how much it impacts all of that. 
Um, you're somebody that's really active on social media. You talked about sharing out the greatness of our staff and our teams and the things that are happening there. Talk to our superintendent and principal colleagues. How do we take care of our people? I just, I respect tremendously how, how much you do that. But, you know, our principals, they're, uh, everything that you just shared, it also doesn't come without the effort, the, the constant work that they, they, they work tirelessly in their community. What advice do you have around self-care, taking care of our people, you know, as we continue to go through in the pandemic, just to make sure that people are also keeping their priorities in order personally and, you know, aren't working 24 hours a day and all weekend long. How as a superintendent, can you promote that self-care, that culture, so that people continue to bring their best just like they are in Indian Hill? Well, there's a couple of ways that we've tried to attack that in the last few years. When we talk about human capital, first of all, it's not just about money. It's about time. It's about flexibility. I would advocate that any district should be looking at how do you make your professional learning time more flexible for your staff? How do you allow them to have some trade-offs, not just in the planning of how they may use their own time or how a building might use time, but trading off in and outside of the school year asynchronous to synchronous, making sure that people know they have some voice and choice in what they've got to do as a professional. And then when you can give them a little time for something special, give them that time. So this year, the Cincinnati Bengals made the Super Bowl and we all had a who day day off, right? Um, some people might not like that idea. I think climate wise, it was really important for our local culture, our city, and our people needed that. And it was not just for students, it was also for staff and families. When you can do those things, that's really important to show people you value and you listen. The other thing is you need to make sure that as you move forward and you're working with your staff, you show them value in that you listen to what they need and you celebrate what they do. And you have to celebrate them intentionally, routinely, and consistently. Social media, and the metrics behind it are very important for principals and ad administrators to learn because the impact can be exponential. And while one-on-one -on -one conversations and praise in front of small and large groups is never going to go out of style and is always the most authentic, when you can celebrate a teacher outside the walls of your building or a student in a program, it's educational, not just for your parents, but for the larger community, and it ties back to what you were talking about before, Tom, showcasing public schools and their brilliance. We have world-class teachers doing amazing things with kids, and the more we can show that every day purposefully, the better off we will all be. I love that. You know, we happen to be getting all these messages right now saying, how do I apply to go work for this district? Is what <laughs> I, That's what I'm seeing all over the place as we record this right now. No, in all seriousness, Kirk, I will tell you, I, you know, I, I truly value your leadership and that of your entire team. And I know I put my children under your leadership and that of your team in a heartbeat as here we are two months or two months, I wish, two, two years into the pandemic. And every time I hear you talk about your people, it's talking about opportunities, possibilities, what you can do and you bring so much hope, which really brings me to my last question. You know, two years into the pandemic, we started this podcast two years ago to give people hope. What is it that gives somebody like you that's a that uh, radiates hope in all that you do as you lead? What is it that gives you hope right now? The future leaders who I work with give me hope. Um, and that's how I know the next chapter is going to be amazing. There are so many young 
um, teacher leaders coming into schools today who have just gone through two years of trauma, uh, two years of challenge, uh, two years of trying to adjust and be adaptable to something we've never lived through before, they're going to be better because of that. They're going to be leaders because of that. We have young principals, we have young administrators coming along and learning new things, and that flexibility and resilience is going to make them even better leaders. And that's why I'm so hopeful for the future, because if they can get through what they did the last two years, they can tackle anything with success moving forward. And there are so many great educators out there who I get to see here locally every day and in this area, just like you, Tom. I'm very hopeful for the future in public schools and, and that leadership is there. And we need to help nurture it and grow it over time to the best of our ability, because that's really what my job is about, is developing the future leaders who can then take care of everybody. My friend, I stand in awe of your leadership, the work that's happening in Indian Hill. That's Kurt Konecki, everybody. Thank Kurt, you very thanks much. so much for your time today. Thank you.